Street. Hello and welcome back to the Rough Trade Edit podcast. This week I'm catching up with Django Django's Vinny and Dave on the band's magnificent fourth album, Glowing in the Dark, discussing writing approach, making a music video in isolation and the excellent problem of having too many songs. So stay tuned for that coming up very, very shortly. If you are in the Northern Hemisphere, the daylight hours are creeping ever up and spring suddenly feels just around the corner. Fitting then that we should welcome the announcement of Dry Cleaning's debut album this past week, which arrives in April on 4AD. Hot on the heels of fellow debutantes Arlo Parks and Black Country New Road, throwing a touch of squid and 2021's first quarter is shaping up to be a force to be reckoned with. Uh, Dry Cleaning's debut album is called New Long Leg. It's out on the 2nd of April and you can pre-order it now on a Rough Trade exclusive clear vinyl at aroughtrade.com. Um, I've already been lucky enough to listen to this album a couple hundred times and it is absolutely incredible. So enjoy a bit of this. This is dry cleaning and strong feelings. Just an emo dead stuff collector. Things come to the brain. Let's look at the geophys. Let's wait for the results from the geophys. Just an emo dead stuff collector. Things come to the brain. Spent 17 pounds on mushrooms for you. Because I'm so new edit highlights this week and first up it is the sensational sophomore from Leeds band Mush. Lines Redacted follows a rough trade favourite 3D routine which came out almost a year to the day that this second album arrives which is pretty nice. Um, with all the humour and hooks of its older sister this new record shows a really impressive confidence and only makes us fall in love with the angular punks even more. Um, the album also stands proud as a monument to the band's guitarist, Steve Tyson, who very sadly passed away last year. Um, you can get this record on Rough Trade exclusive translucent purple vinyl. We've only got 300 copies of those, so do snap it up if you are keen. I cannot recommend this record enough. Love Mush. I think everybody should hear this. Um, and yeah, check out this track from the record. This is Mush and Positivity. Hey, hey, yeah, you pessimist How should I arrive to blues? Will you try running a country? How about some positivity? Yeah, 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 positivity Clap, clap, clap your positivity Next up, and one of the UK's freshest talents, 25-year-old Jacob Allen, a.k.a. Puma Blue, releases his debut full-length In Praise of Shadows, a soulful, dreamlike collection of songs of which Allen says are about finding light in darkness and realising that it's what got me here today. Um, one of the standout tracks here comes halfway through the record and samples the score from Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. It is really bloody beautiful. It is called Sheets and it goes a little bit like this. Just forget the sound 
And finally this week, recorded in numerous studios in America and Paris, including Aaron Dessner's upstate New York studio, the brand new album from Fleet Foxes is a stunning, stunning celebration of life in the face of death and sees the band return to their campfire best with lush instrumentals and grand hymns, some of which pay tribute to Robin Pecknold's lost musical heroes. These are wonderful songs, sure to become firm fan favourites. And here is my personal favourite from the album. This is Fleet Foxes and Can I Believe You? that closes our edit album picks for this week just a note you can now finally find the rough trade edit podcast on spotify um you may even be tuning in from there now if so welcome awesome to have you aboard um if you are enjoying our little podcast please consider leaving us a review on apple podcasts every kind word helps and yeah just gets more of the music we love out there to people to discover um, my special guests this week are the wonderful Vinny and Dave from the electrifying Django Django. New album Glowing in the Dark is out now on Because Music and is another great testament to their incredible craft, much of which we will explore in this interview. Enjoy and thank you so much for listening and I will catch you in the next one. Django, Django, Vinny and Dave, welcome to the Rough Trade Edit podcast. Hello. It is a, a brand new year. We are in a new lockdown across the UK. So I just kind of want to start and ask how you guys are all doing. Are you managing to kind of stay quite buoyant, quite optimistic? Where are your kind of heads at at this point? Um, I think just kind of used to it a little bit by now. So yeah, just taking it a day as it comes or a week as it comes because it's I guess we've learned that it's really hard to plan ahead um, because the rug just gets pulled at the last minute on a lot of things so yeah just trying to uh, navigate it like everyone else um, what else can you do just do the things you can and try and not panic too much I think we're, we're uh, spread out a little bit more um like Jim and Tommy kind of moved away, so it kind of adds another layer of um, Glasgow, uh, Tommy's in Glasgow, Jim's in Market. So in normal times, it wouldn't really matter. You can just kind of meet up regularly, but it's, yeah, it's like another layer of complication. But we kind of seem to manage to, you know, meet up quite regularly and like we're in studios most days. So yeah. it's all, yeah, it kind of seems to still rattle on. When was the last time you were all together? Was it before Christmas or you managed to meet up this side? Me and before Dave Christmas. have been meeting up because we live like five minutes from the studio in Tottenham. Okay. Um, the other two are kind of, we've just kind of said we're going to take, you know, the next month, those two guys are just going to write at home yeah. and send stuff down. So we've, we've kind of found another kind of, even though we're not touring or we're not doing gigs, we're just kind of getting 
trying to get cracked on the writing really yeah sounds good this sounds productive which I'm sure some people are finding a bit harder at the moment I guess do you feel like having the record kind of coming out pretty imminently that's like a real driver for keeping busy when everyone else is kind of a bit stuck well there is a lot of uh sort of promo stuff to do all the time so yeah there's always there's always a list of things to do um for an album coming out so yeah as Vinny's saying even though we're not going on the promo kind of road trips it's still there's still a lot to do um you know there's always requests for mixtapes or magazine articles or something or other in the pipeline so yeah I guess that's and then if there isn't then I guess the good thing about being a musician or artist or whatever is you just you're used to making your own work anyway so yeah this the, the I don't think being bored's ever an issue for us thankfully yeah do you think in some way you've kind of welcomed the extra time a little bit or I think I, I, think I did at the start of lockdown one but then about two weeks into it I was rested and ready to do something you know yeah uh it's, I don't know. It's 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 a weird one, but I mean, I, I personally, I like being in the studio a lot. But you can't really have one without the other. It's unsustainable. So, uh, <laughs> God knows. Yeah, <laughs> so it's good to be uh, like for me. Like I, I kind of was at home, but I kind of missed being in the studio. We just couldn't be on at the same time at the beginning. Yeah. Um, but once I was back in, I kind of got back in the swing of things again your fourth full length i believe glowing in the dark is released on because music this february the 12th um it is described as having a running theme of escape from despair from constraints from small town life and even in dreams from earth um i've got to say it sounds like kind of the perfect remedy to the current feeling many people are continuing to experience um how long has this album and it's Themes been in the works. Was it always scheduled for this 2021 release date? Uh, no, it's, it's been moved back. But it's funny hearing you read the bits of the press release because I'm always like, who yeah. actually who actually wrote that? Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, and the, and then people read it back to you and you're like, oh, that's what the album's about. <laughs> uh, either I've forgotten that's what the album was about, or no one we know wrote that. I don't know. But um, yeah, it was scheduled I think yeah for last year and then it's just been pushed back I mean I, I guess a lot of the themes on the album are a bit coincidentally um, more kind of relevant now but that was just a weird coincidence I think mm. but yeah I don't know if the tone of it you know I think if we'd written Although the themes and stuff can be appropriate now, I don't know if the tone of it would be the same if we made it, you know, if we started making it in lockdown one, yeah. what the whole tone of it would be like, probably be less upbeat numbers. I don't know. <laughs> it's nice though, because it's kind of a tonic <laughs> for people that maybe are looking for a bit of, you know, escapism. And I think so, yeah. You've got to have a bit of, sunshine through it all you know so yeah hopefully when people listen to 
perks them up a bit. I don't know. How would you describe the record if you were writing the press release? Uh, uh, it's hard because each song's got a different theme. So to put it all into one, you know, this record is this is a bit of a difficult task, you know, because each song's its own little bubble as usual. So... Yeah, there's themes that always keep coming back and we sit in the studio and we're like, we really should stop singing about this <laughs> and think about something else. But, I mean, we do try to do that, put our minds elsewhere. And I guess that comes from escape, you know, being into films and comics and mm. you list, growing up listening to hip-hop or whatever, you know, it's or watching westerns or, you know, whatever it is you can you've built up this, these ideas about other people's lives that aren't a Scottish or an Irish guy living in London, like drawing on other people's, you know, a bit like writing a novel. Or I think that's something that we quite like to do, is imagine that we're characters and we're in a little story and it's, you know, it takes you away from singing about, the, about your own issues all the time, which can be a bit boring. How does it kind of work with you guys when you, when you decide you want to write a new record? What's that kind of approach process? Is it quite kind of formulaic or is it just a complete all get together and share ideas or how does that kind of work? It's a, it's a, it's a bit of a mismatch really of, um, you might, we might have a few things left over from the last, you know, when we, we, that we wrote on the last tour that we can kind of start on. Normally that we've always got a track or two um, which kind of gets us in the headspace of writing again. There's a, there is, for me, it's like when you're touring, your head's quite in tour mode. Um, and then it takes a while to get, when you come back, to kind of get and uh, just thinking about lyrics again. And, uh, you know, it, it often takes me like three, four months to, before I start to get in the right headspace. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think with this one, we had like spirals, which we kind of wrote for our live show when we were touring the States. Um, and that, that kind of set a little bit of a, a template or something, you know, like a bit of a mood for it. And then, yeah, it was, it's just, I suppose every day, you know, you're kind of chipping away, like we get into like a track a day at one point, or, or I think at one point we were doing a track every month and it was kind of doing our head in. Um, it just felt like it was a bit of an uphill struggle. Mm-hmm. So we kind of switched and we were like, right, we'll come in, we're going to write it you know, try to do most, or at least try to get some lyrics done in it and not worry about it too much, whether it's amazing or whether it's kind of shit. And then move on and just, and after a few weeks, we had like quite a lot of, sure often just became a bit more enjoyable. And then we kind of started to keep going from there. But it's a mixture of like, you know, Dave will have a couple of like, you know, beats and stuff on the computer when I come in. I'll listen to what he did over like, you know, the day before if, if nobody was there or I'll find someone buried in there and kind of stick a vocal to it. And that's maybe the start of something that was like glowing in the dark and gravity were kind of happened that way. And then the world, the world will turn was kind of Jim came in with that kind of almost just done, you know, like we just, we added strings and kind of, uh, kind of teased it out a bit. Yeah. So it, yeah, there's loads of different, loads of different kind of ways they all come together but it it feels like a kind of impossible mountain at the beginning but Mm -hmm. as you go along you know you've got the basis of like six or seven tracks that you're like 
quite happy with. You can kind of start to see a general theme kind of come together, which, yeah, which is good. Do you try not to put sort of too much pressure on yourselves to deliver a certain amount by a certain point or to a certain degree of how finished it is sort of thing? Yeah, I don't think there's many. It's kind of pointless we've found giving ourselves too many deadlines because they always just get trampled into the ground anyway. So, you know, you don't want to spend too long on a record, but you sort of know when it's finished. Yeah. Um, or you know when you've got enough tracks that it, it's better to have too many, I think we've found, in a way so that you can make the album flow the right, in the right way. Um, and that's something that we've we're still kind of learning a little bit but um yeah, yeah you, you sort of get to know when it's done yeah i hear lots of different like, opinions on that sometimes some people say it'll never be done so you have to just kind of make an executive decision other people yeah. kind of know like you say or you learn to know when it's done yeah i think the first album we were like here's oh here's 12 tracks that's an album we literally didn't have any other music. Yeah. Um, sort of same on the second one. But then we realised that um, it's better to, when, you're, when, you, when you come to track listing it, it's, sometimes you've got to leave out really good songs to make it flow better, if you know what I mean. So... Um, it's nice to have. Or there might be two tracks that are doing a kind of similar thing, you know. Like, yeah. so it's nice to have like three or four. You can sort of start to switch, swap around to make it flow better. And I think with it, with Glowing in the Dark, there's actually sort of four really good tracks that we didn't put on there that probably could have been singles, you know, but they just didn't fit in the in the kind of flow of it. So in that instance, would they kind of maybe be used for a future record or project or do you sometimes just not have enough space to fit stuff in, period? Yeah, well, I think in the old days there would be B-sides, but the sort of B-sides don't really exist so much anymore. Yeah, sometimes they get put out for exclusives or whatever, but then you're, I think when that happens, they fall but they fall between the cracks a bit so we try to hold them back for something else you know the next record or um an ep or something but yeah i think the more we've gone on you know we've been doing it 10 years now the band and then and then for about seven years before that i was doing my own productions which kind of a lot of them turned into the first album so actually between those two things you know over the last 15 years we've got just got so much stuff on hard drives um and it's you know it's nice sometimes to go back into those and pick them out and go oh this one was good and kind of that could be a starting point but um yeah i guess it's the thing of just trying to it's a, a bit anxiety kind of causing knowing that they're all unfinished on hard drives so it's the thing of just trying to get things done and get them out to people somehow yeah 
is the, the endless task yeah. really and I guess it's kind of cool to have too much than have the anxiety the other way of not having enough or oh totally if the ideas just dried up I'd be freaking out yeah I tried to do some because I went to art college well we all kind of went to art college and um I tried to do some painting recently go back to do some painting and it was just the ideas were it was just barren I couldn't think of anything <laughs> and, and thankfully um I just couldn't really visualize it or what I was doing thankfully it's definitely not that's definitely not the case with the music stuff that would be good news to your fans I'm sure <laughs> yeah bad news to everyone else <laughs> Um, so the video for Glowing the Dark I wanted to talk about a bit because it's so brilliant and I think it's really fascinating the fact that it was created totally in lockdown in Iceland, I think, the industrial unit and then obviously it was kind of formed from that. Did it come out or did the, the final video kind of turn out how you were perhaps expecting? I think the whole thing really transports you. And I guess that kind of aligns maybe with some of the themes we discussed the, the album kind of uh, contains. But did it, was that, what was that experience like basically creating that video? Uh, it was, it was quite good. I mean, it was a break from, from what we were, you know, what I was doing anyway. Like, um, like Dave, we, I think we're all quite, we're big fans of the guy's work, uh, Broly. And I don't, I don't know if you had a, I had, I didn't really know how it was going to turn out. And I, like, it was a bit weird. I found it weird that I was filming myself just on my phone. Yeah. I thought, like, you know, we've done quite a lot of videos. Um, but yeah, it was, yeah, it was just, you know, there, yeah, let's just say there's an industrial state around the back of my place. And I just went there and uh, with a speaker, um, you know, try not to, to be kind of seen by laughing workmen um but um yeah they just yeah i kind of just he gave me some loose direction on what to do mm-hmm. and then i i just kind of you know would feed stuff over to him and he would say do that move the camera position um you know you need more do more kind of movements over your face and stuff like that so and he was i think he's in new york maybe or la um yeah so it was quite a good it was it took a couple of weeks of two and you know kind of to and fro and then he kind of once he kind of got the takes that he thought were mm-hmm. were good he kind of he worked to that but yeah it was it was a cool way of doing it i think it looks much better than than somebody recording themselves on a mobile phone it, it's kind of elevated beyond that potentially i love it i think it's great i think it's it's really cool. And I like how he described that um, he didn't want it to be kind of a literal representation of glowing in the dark. And I think that's mm. the way he's done it's come out really, really brilliantly. Would you say that that kind of experience and maybe just in total the challenges that the last year has kind of posed on creating and promoting your work, has it taught you anything that might kind of stick maybe when fingers crossed things return to a bit more of a normality? I hope not. I mean, I- you know, people say, oh, yeah, you can you can do all this on Zoom now, mm. which is great, but it's not great, really. I mean, 
you don't want to be in a society that's even when it goes back to normal everybody's just huddled away on zoom meetings and no one on buying everything on amazon instead of going to shops and mm. i hope that's not the new normal um because everything was going that way anyway before lockdown this kind of isolation and i think that's probably that's that's a bit of a theme on the record this kind of idea of society becoming more and more individualized and isolated and everybody kind of pushed into these little digital bubbles so yeah i hope that i basically just hope that doesn't i hope it goes the other way and everybody's like right fuck the internet and mm-hmm. and online shopping and let's reassess you know the way we kind of live our lives and 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 like plan our towns and everything you know yeah i don't don't, that's too optimistic though i think (laughs) it's already (laughs) going in that direction isn't it where it is yeah i mean the the retail parks king you know even if when you do go to the shops it's bloody retail parks yeah i'm sure a lot of people would agree with you that they there is that it's kind of like filling a gap where there are constraints at the moment rather than something that they're then going to you know everyone's going to do virtual gigs a lot more in the future i doubt oh, it. God. i really hope that doesn't become a thing <laughs> virtual gigs <laughs> i remember i remember my uh my brother's second band the aliens they did a gig on um second life <laughs> when that was a thing you know that sort of sims like, it's like a sims right. type um it's like sims meets facebook where you could walk around in this virtual space talking to people oh God. who are like someone behind the keyboard but their avatar is like a, a 10 foot tall angel with demon's eyes or whatever and um at the start of the gig they all flew onto the stage holding hands you know like these weird little flying people <laughs> flew down uh, and landed on the stage and then you get these little avatars stood around watching I mean it is interest, fascinating really and interesting but I think everyone's done with lockdown gigs and online gigs and stuff it's just yeah there's definitely a bit of pleasurable. a yeah people are kind of yeah, a bit of a lethargy about it. But I guess, like, the way some people have adapted has been quite interesting and there's been a lot of creativity to kind of still get music across in a sort of some form of live or performance manner. I mean, you oh, got... totally, yeah. I shouldn't slag it off too much because we're, you know... Doing we're something. doing it all the time. <laughs> doing it for you guys as well. And I appreciate that platform, definitely. You know, when you guys ask us to do things like that, it's... Because it is, it's better than what else you're going to do at the moment. You know, it's definitely better than not doing anything. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's about making, you know, sort of coming up with creative solutions for it and things like that. Um, but, you know, you just can't be, you can't kind of replicate going to a gig. Um, yeah, no way, not at all. But I guess the, so the, you mentioned you did something for us, that was the Rough Trade Transmission. And I also noticed you did um, an enemy home session recently too. Are they kind of, yeah. the sort of live, albeit virtual kind of performances of 
the new material that you've done or did you do some have you performed some of these songs to live audiences at the beginning of last year or in any time prior to the pandemic i think the as i said the spirals track um we wrote and played on the the last us tour back in 2018 okay um so that track so that track got kind of road tested a wee bit or like you know got we kind of played it a lot and worked out what was working and what wasn't in a live setting and then pretty much everything else is post that um so but obviously like our stuff is quite layered you know when we're when we're kind of recording so there's always a bit of trying to interpret a lot of harmonies and a lot of you know, because there's only two people, um, well, me and Jim, the only two that sing and uh, so it's almost, there's like almost like a recorded version and a kind of slightly weirder or probably more straightforward, the kind of live version. So that obviously takes time to kind of get, you know, kind of unpick and tracks like Glowing in the Dark, you know, the, the chorus of that is, uh, you know, Dave looped my vocal and it's trying to come up with a, a chorus of that live, which makes, doesn't sound bananas. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we're, we've been trying to kind of work our way through those points and, or other tracks like asking for more, you know, just trying to strip it back a little and to kind of simplify them a bit. But um, that's always the kind of challenge. It's always, it's good fun as well when, you do you do go and play live that people get a different version of a track that potentially they they're quite they know quite well yeah. you know it's like yeah. try to put a different like different slant on it yeah which I like when bands do that have you found like the response from fans albeit virtual quite useful in that sense then to responding to the the live performances that you've done kind of over the internet well i think your the session we did for you guys was the first out of like two of those tracks, I think. Um, and I suppose it's, it's difficult. I think when, you know, when we used to play Spirals live, it wasn't it wasn't released. And it, it, there was always an audience that hear a track before they played live, before they hear it recorded. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, there's they, they look slightly puzzled and interested, but kind of puzzled. Um, and it's only sometimes when they hear it on the record, and then they come back to hear it again, maybe at a festival, they kind of get it a bit more. So, yeah, there wasn't there wasn't too many initial comments, I don't think, uh, on the tracks per se, but maybe when they're, they're kind of, when they hear it on, you know, whatever medium they're listening to it through, um, it'll make more sense. So, kind of finally, I ask this uh, quite a lot on the podcast, kind of, um, exploring kind of expectation and kind of pressures and I just wondered I guess your debut album was nominated for a Mercury Prize and kind of in your work that followed that have you kind of ever had to kind of grapple I suppose with the expectation that came with so much praise so early on in your career or are you quite good at kind of like that you kind of decompartmentalize it and that was that first record and then each new album is its own entity I think so, yeah. I mean, I, I think we, the, 
you know, it was great to get that nomination at the at the start on the first album. Uh, and then, yeah, there was a little bit of pressure for the second album. Um, but then I, after that, I don't know, it's just, it's just business as usual and you forget. Definitely the longer you go on, the more, the less you care about those things or think about them. Uh, and then it becomes just about, you know, pushing yourselves to, to do the best, you know, what, what can we do to, to be happy with the record rather than ever thinking about press or expectations of things. But yeah, I think we're way past expect, you know, like, I think that's between the first and the second album, a band always has the expectation. I think mm. by the fourth, it feels good because you can, well, you're happy that you're still together as a band. It's sort of not a given that that will happen. Mm. And then also you can start to just think about doing far more self-indulgent stuff and more experimental stuff because mm. you've kind of done the, you, you know, you, you've done the stuff that you set out to do and then and then it's, you're a bit, like okay what next you know how can we keep ourselves entertained so i think you know maybe you f you feel less pressure to be making the perfect album all the time and maybe after this album we'll feel that we can just do weirder stuff or do stuff we we've always really wanted to do but being worried that the fans might not like it or you know how's it going to be perceived or if that makes sense you just kind of you know, and then you get to the stage of your career like Brian Eno or someone who can just release a acapella vocal group album or, you know, just doing whatever he is passionate about at the time. Yeah, so you're kind of in a place that you're established enough to kind of, I guess, take risks and be as experimental as maybe you would wish to be. Yeah, and not to say like, oh, because the fans will, will get behind it anyway, more just you care more about doing things you're passionate about or pushing yourselves rather than being worried if it's not gonna sell as many copies or and i think now you know as well there's so many ways to get music out and albums are kind of not such a big deal anymore and album cycles aren't such a big deal i think mm. so maybe there's more room to be doing things like that now more than ever really and I, I suppose it just goes back to saying, you know, we've we've got loads of ideas for music. It's just, that's kind of true. We're kind of, we've got tons of ideas and a lot of it is just, a lot of the stuff we do is just kind of mad and out there and not, you know, I might go in on my own and just be making industrial techno all day or something. And then obviously that's not going to make, end up on the Django Django album, but maybe it will, you know, maybe we'll just do a whole album of nutty industrial music or something, you know, <laughs> don't know. Yeah. But I think, I think that's interesting when you look back in a band's career, like Talk Talk, I was looking back at their back catalogue to albums I just didn't know. Mm -hmm. um, and there's so many kind of gems in there of albums that weren't commercially, weren't commercially successful, but artistically just really great. Or you might find a band that you think were one way and then you realize they've done this album that's completely the other way like when neil young made trans you know which was like a sort of proto daft punk album in amongst 
his country rock records. So that's the kind of thing I think we look forward to a little bit, just getting to be weird. Yeah, and I guess kind of creating a, I mean, you already have one, but a a legacy for yourselves as well, I suppose, that people can kind of look back on, like the way you're describing those artists just then. Well, that's it, yeah. And just keeping things fresh and and not worrying too much, I think that's the key. And that's the key to to bands just keeping on going and and making weird records. I suppose the commercial viability goes down sometimes and the creativity (laughs) goes up but that's okay yeah awesome guys thank you so much for chatting to me today we cannot wait for going the dark to be released it's absolutely brilliant um wishing you all the very best with the lead up from here on out and also release and hopefully we will catch you guys at rough trade for a long overdue in store could you pick a, a track that we can play you guys out with on the show uh free from gravity maybe Guys, take care and we will see you really soon. Brilliant. Wicked. Thank you, Emily. Thanks very much. I've been looking for some water, but there's nothing in the well. We can sail from the gutter. No one even knew you fell. Everything they ever taught us, told us later it was wrong. Wasn't even worth the trouble. Think we knew it all along. Can't understand. I wanna know what you're for. Reviews and subscriptions help to support what we do, so if you like what you hear, then please rate us on iTunes.